Hafez Fat. It is an incredibly great schos for us to be learning a sicha together on this awesome day. We are doing Mishpatim Dalit Chelek Tezayim. And the sicha is dedicated to the Refua Shlema Ukreva of Harav Yosef Yisak Ben Sima Chasya. Um, this is a really beautiful, I mean, every sicha is spectacular, um, but I think you're really going to enjoy this, Emes Hashem. Um, the Rebbe also makes reference to one of the most iconic maimorim um, that, that the Rebbe gave us. Uh, so we'll get there. We're not there yet, but uh, that's also from this week's Parsha. So again, Mishpatim, Dalit, Chelek Tezayim. Now, before we start the sicha, if you take a look into your Chumash in Perek Chaf Dalit, that's 24, and um, we'll look at Sukhim Yud Gimel and Yud Dalit 13 and 14 in chapter 24. Um, so the Torah tells us, well, <laughs> I'm sorry for doing this. Let's go to Yud Beis. Let's go to 12 for a minute. Um, so the Abishter says to Moshe, Shem said to Moshe, Come up to me to the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the tablets of stone, the hatera, the Torah, and the commandment, which I have written in order to teach them. Okay? So in Pasuk Yud Gimel, the Torah tells us, Vayaka Meshe Yeshua, Meshe and Yeshua, his attendants, set out, Vayal Meshe Al Har But only Moshe went up to the mountain of Hashem. But before Moshe went up, you know, it's kind of how before you leave the house, you give your kids like certain instructions they need while you're gone. So um, the El Haskenim Omar Moshe said to the elders, Shavulanu Bazeh, wait here for us, until we return to you. And Aaron and Hor will be with you. Okay, so it's like telling the younger kids who's in charge. And me bal devarim yigash aleim. And whoever has a claim can approach them. And now she says on the words, whoever has a lawsuit. Okay. So that is our point of departure for uh, this morning's Sicha. So now we're looking into the Sicha. Again, Mishpatim Dalit Chelek Tezayim. Mina Pasuk Mi Bal Devarim Yigash Alehim. From the pasuk that we just did, that whoever has a claim can approach them. Yalfina, Yalfina, So um, the Gemara teaches us. The Gemara extrapolates that when you have a dintera, when you have a uh, a case that comes before a basin, the plaintiff. The teveya, okay, that's the Hebrew word. We're going to go back. We're going to keep using these words. So the teveya, the plaintiff, presents first. You don't listen to anyone but the plaintiff first. Who is the teveya? Habal devarim, the one who has a claim. And this this bal devarim, this plaintiff, yagish devarav alehim. should bring before the Beistin his words, his claim, 
his complaint, his problem. And the Shach explains this Gemara and says, that what the Gemara is saying should be taken, you know, simply speaking, that when you come before the Beistin, the Beistin first listens to the case, the complaints, the claim of the plaintiff, and only after that, as Divri Hanitva, the um, claims or the counter argument of the defendant. So the Taiveya is the plaintiff, and the Nitva is the defendant. The Nafkamina Lepayel, and the only time it actually practically makes a difference as to who is going to present first, Ta'anas of Shalmi Nishmais Trila, whose claims will be. Heard first, benidon moida bemiktas is in a case where you have somebody who makes a partial admission, and the Rebbe will soon explain what this means. Okay, but this is a halachic term, moida bemiktas, a person who admits on the partial claim that in fact it, he he does owe somebody money. Din who here's the explanation. The halacha is. That the defendant is only called a Maida somebody who has made a partial admission, in which case, and a Maida is is Mechuyev, he is obligated to make a Shvua, to make an oath, and he's obligated to do so from the Torah. So it's a very, very, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a construct with tremendous amount of gravitas that Mida you're obligated to swear that what you're saying is true. Ella, when is this, when is this the fact? Kasher the person, the defendant, is only obligated to swear, to take an oath, if he only says, I owe you partial of what you're asking for, after he is brought to Dintaira. Okay, so... Um, it's a situation where there was some kind of business dealing, or perhaps there was some kind of loan, or there was um, some kind of damage. There are different ways in which this could be. And you know that Mishpatim speaks um, it, to a great extent about torts, about this kind of law. And um, in this case, this person says, okay, I know you're asking me for $150, but I actually only owe you only $75. But the only time that the defendant is obligated to take an oath, Midaraisa, is if the only time that he concedes that he actually is due to pay somebody partially is after he has been taken to a dentist. But if to begin with, these people had dealings, again, different scenarios of what the dealings could have been. And the nitva, the defendant, conceded that he owes money. 
However, the plaintiff feels that he owes double or triple or $25 more or whatever it is. So if from the very beginning, from the get-go, the defendant said, yes, I know I owe you money, but the plaintiff is fighting for more money, that's a different situation. And the defendant is not obligated to take a vow midaraisa. The tam halacha zu. And why is this the halacha? The cave on because the defendant had agreed, he, he acknowledged that he owes a certain amount of money. Before he was brought before the basin. But for whatever reason, he didn't pay. He acknowledged that he owes. Maybe he even said the check is in the mail. But practically speaking, he didn't pay up. And therefore, the plaintiff schlepped him before a basin. So the only time that the Teveya speaks first is if and, and is if there's a situation where the defendant is of Midaraisa to take a, to take a shvua. But if he's Pator, then he actually doesn't, he doesn't do that shvua because he was maida, he acknowledged that he owes. Then further, ulahalon Sham, further, the Gemara says, Pa'amim, sometimes, sheniskakim l'nitvatchila. There is a time where the defendant gets to speak first. And when is that? And when is it that scenario? When he asserts that his assets are losing value. What does this mean? And the Shach explains, in the continuation of what the Shach says regarding who speaks first, and that usually it's the plaintiff. So the Shach explains, if the reason for why the defendant did not yet pay up the amount that he conceded he owes, mixas means a little bit. And this is a case where a defendant said, yes, I know I owe you $50. And if the reason he didn't pay up, he not because he wanted to withhold, not because he wanted to hold back the money, but but the reason he did not pay up was because at that time, his assets were plummeting. His stocks were going down. Or it could be a scenario where if he would have to liquidate his assets very quickly, the very fact that he is liquidating his assets quickly would cheapen his assets. Then the shach says, you give the defendant the right to speak first. Okay, so this is what the Gemara is saying on the words in our parsha, Mi Baal Devarim Yigash Alehem.
Moshe says to the Jews, while I'm going to be upstairs, I'm telling you who's in charge. And if you have an issue, you come to them. And the Gemara learns out all kinds of halachas about how a dintaira works. And usually the plaintiff presents first, but the shach explains when the defendant will speak first. And the defendant speaks first if he was a moedebemiktas, he did acknowledge that he owed, but he didn't pay up. And because he didn't pay up, he was schlepped before the basin. Now, if he had not acknowledged anything, then he would have to take a shvua, mid araisa. If after he is taken to Beistin, he claims that he only owes half of what he's being asked for. Okay. If he if he said before that he's maida, that he acknowledges he owes, he doesn't have to take a shvua. When does he speak first? When the reason that he didn't pay whatever he acknowledged he owes was because either his assets were plummeting at that time, or the very fact that he would have to liquidate assets to pay up would cause his assets to depreciate in value. And in that case, he has a right to speak first and explain himself. Okay. Bates. Kvar nizbar kama v'chama pomin. Rebbe says that we're going to now look back at something we've spoken about many times. Shakol ha'inyonim shebenigla detayra yeshnam gam ba'avoida ruchanis. That everything that is found in Nigla, in the revealed, in the exoteric aspect of Torah, is also found in the spiritual service. The Adarabah, and even more so, actually it's the opposite. Because, as we learn very famously in the Gemara, the Torah was first, a hidden treasure, Lemaila, in heaven. You might remember that very famous Gemara where the angels were fighting that the terror should remain there. They had it first. So the Rebbe says, because it was originally a Chemda Genuza, was a hidden treasure, Lemaila, above, Umisham Nasa Vayarda, and it's only from above that the Torah journey, that the Torah traveled, as it were, and came down, until it came down and is kind of um, enclosed in the constructs of this world. In other words, really, the Torah is speaking about all kinds of spiritual and yonin. But it travels down into this physical world and therefore presents itself conceptually in physical constructs. So it's not just that actually the Torah is talking about an ox that gores another ox, but it's so cool that the esoteric masters were able to tell us what this means spiritually. The Rebbe says, no, it's the opposite. Actually, we're talking about spiritual constructs. But the Torah had to come down into this physical world, be given to physical people who live within a material corporeal reality. But you should know that whatever we're talking about, the antecedent, the root of this is all, is all spiritual. And from there it evolved into the physical. The Yaseira Mizu. And even more than this, 
Yesh kama inyanim benigla. There are a number of aspects in halacha, in the very exoteric aspects of the Torah, shenitan lahavinam letachlisam, rak al yidei biurim beruchnis inyanim. You could only understand them properly when you learn them in accordance with the spiritual ideas and energies. And if we had more time, we could uh, maybe go into a discussion about this, but I'll just mention that famously, two very famous examples is one is the whole idea of how is it that the Chachamim were able to be mitaki and the Chachamim were able to establish that you don't, you don't blow shoifer if it's on shops. How can that be? How can it be? We know there are certain mitzvahs that override Shabbos. How can it be that Rosh Hashanah, Tetzkiah Shafer, should not override the uh, idea of Shabbos? That's one. And the other very notable um, construct like this is the idea that of all of the Yom Tevim, it's only on Shavuos that you're not allowed to fast. In general, we don't fast in Shabbos or Yom Tiv, but this is the idea of a tainus chalon. Uh, dreams used to be um, a very, it used to be reckoned in a whole different way in, 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 in years gone by. And our Chachamim said, on Shabbos you don't fast, but if you had a terrible dream, that's the only way to have a Enoch Shabbos and a Yom Tiv, you are allowed to fast. But only on Shavuos you're not allowed to fast. And this is another example that explains how the only way to understand that is Alpi Ruch Nesedvar. Okay. Valderach Zebi in Yonayim. So the Rebbe says, it is likewise in what we are discussing now. The Pashtos, if you look at this simply speaking, if you're not going to go Beruchnius and Yanin, if you're not going to look at the spiritual uh, back end, as it were, then we have a, a, like a serious situation here because the Pashtos, Perish Hashach, Inam Bechaver Legamre. Simply speaking, what the, what the Shach is explaining here doesn't really compute. Because Milash and Razal, because from the terminology of the Gemara, Niskakin, the Teveya Tchila, Teveya Stam, the Gemara says that you always give the plaintive, the Schus Kadima, first dibs on making the presentation. And the Gemara says that this is a plaintive. It doesn't qualify what kind of plaintive. Teveya Stam. Mashma. But according to the Shach, the way he describes it, it seems, that this is a general rule and it would practically impact in many iterations, in many situations. But when, you, when the Shach Explains it, and the shach is is one of the most important ways sometimes in the Gemara. Sha'anafkamina lepayel that the difference practically hirak b'suk hatviya sheboy hanitva moida b'mitzvah. So the shach explains that what seems to be a very wide designation in the Gemara is actually a very narrow designation. So how could this be? So the Rebbe says, This can better be understood, maybe even only understood, if you look at the innermost understanding of this whole 
idea that we're talking about, the Teveya and the Nitva, and who goes first, and what does this mean, the Ruchnius? The Rebbe says that the only way we can really understand how the Shach explains this is to understand that when you're talking spiritually about a court case, as it were, spiritually speaking, in most of the cases, it's going to be a case where the nitva, the defendant, does acknowledge that he owes, but only a small amount. Gimel. So now the Rebbe is going to explain what this means, Beruchnius. Hateveya shel Adam Yisrael. So who is the plaintiff that schleps a Jew before based in on a regular basis? Who is that? Our good old friend, who Hayetzahara. This is the Yetzahara. Shetchila Machshiloi Bechet Rahman al Islam. First, the Yetzahara makes a stumble in some kind of sin. Ayal Kalpanim Bimatsab Dechet Milashan Chisaran. And if it's not an out and out sin, it's at least how the word chet is understood as some kind of deficit, some kind of deficiency. It's not the best you could do. So first, the Yetzirah gets you to do an out-and-out sin, or at least to make a choice that is not the most stellar choice you could have made. And then the same Yetzirah that tripped you up now drags you before the base in, becomes the plaintiff, and makes a claim against you. And what's the claim? Because he made this, this Jew stumble, he made him do Avera, now he's suing him for complete control over him. Now that he made him stumble, he made him do an Avera. So the Yitzharet Chav allegorically, metaphorically, brings this Yid before the Beistin and claims that he owes him a lot more just like the plaintiff who says this guy owes me $600, but the defendant says, no, I only owe him 300 and I acknowledge I owe him 300 And now he's giving me this crazy sum. So the Yitzhahara does the same thing. So in this metaphoric court case, where the Yitzhahara is taking the Jew to Beistin, the Nitva, the defendant, the Jew, is in the category of a Maide B'Mixas. He acknowledges, yes, I did do an Avera. Most of us, when we do something that's not so ayayay, we're, uh, we're conscious of it, at least somewhere, peripherally, we're conscious of it. The Jew acknowledges it's true. I did stumble, unfortunately, most unfortunately, in doing the sin. But the Yid says, Rebbe reminds us, what's a Yid? A person that cannot invest himself completely and totally in a sin. Why? Because the 
essence of a soul transcends the whole idea of sin. Because even when he's doing a sin, in the words of the Tanya, he is faithfully one with God, even when he's sinning. The yes are okay, and even more so. So you might say, okay, on the essential level of the soul, on this abstruse level, a Jew could never be completely enmeshed in a sin. But what on the what about on the level that is discernible? On a more external level, on the level of kreches, on the level of of machshava, dibor, and maisa. I mean, yeah, we could be invested. But the Rebbe says, even on this level of kreches, of rak mitzad etzem haneshama, even on this level, yeshnei toiv pnimi b'teikal echad b'Yisrael, there is good. Every yid is good. And even more so, Rebbe quotes a Gemara that he never tired of quoting in Eruvin, which is, that even the sinners among B'nai Yisrael are full of mitzvahs like a remind. And just very, very quickly going to recall a story that's very famous, but even one person in this class doesn't know it yet. It's Kadai. Tell the story of, um, I don't know uh, the name of the big Rav. Perhaps he was like a, a Hasidic uh, Rebbe even. And he said to the Rebbe that he was always puzzled by this Gemara. I mean, how could you attribute to Pesha Yisrael, to sinners among Israel, that they're filled with mitzvahs like, like uh, pomegranates full with seeds? The Rebbe looked at him, he said, you know, I've always been puzzled by this Gemara also. How could you call a person who's full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate full of seeds a Pesha Yisrael, a sinner? So the Rebbe says that even when the Jew seems to be invested on the level of Kreches, forget about the Etzim HaNeshama, but, but the Gemara tells us that every Jew is good, not just good, filled with good deeds like a remind. And, and, and the Gemara is not being cute here, it's Kipshutai, it's, 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 it's uh, simply speaking, full of good mitzvahs. The whole existence of a Jew is full of mitzvahs. Rebbe says that when you're talking about uh, Yisrael, it's not possible. It is simply not possible to be talking about a person that is chas v'sholem, completely evil. The Indian zesh called hadargis of Bnei Yisrael. So Rebbe says that this teaches us that all the different levels amongst B'nai Israel, all the way from the tzaddik, about, and, and we have a famous pasuk in Kehelas, that there's no tzaddik that never sinned, and this we have to understand, but not today. Um, there's a lot of Hasidus on this, but again, to remind ourselves, a hate could mean an actual sin, or it can mean a deficit, some kind of deficiency. So everyone from the Tzadik to the Rasha, about whom the Gemara says is full of good deeds, like a remind, like a pomegranate is full of seeds, 
Everyone belongs only in this category of Maida Bemiktas. They acknowledge, yeah, they did a sin, but but it's Bemiktas. It's it's with a certain amount, so a little bit. And this is Mirumas, and this is alluded to Bipasuk in another Pasuk in our Pasha, Shemimenu Yalfinan Din Moita Bemiktas from which the Gemara learns out this whole idea of one who acknowledges that he owes a certain amount, but not more. And um, it's in Perak Chavbe's Pasuk Ches, if you want to look, but uh, we're going to go further. But the words of that Pasuk are, I'll call Dvar Pesha. Asher Yaimar Ki Hu Zeh. You know what? Let's take a moment to look because we're going to come back to this Pasuk. So let's have Beis Ches, that's 22. And <clears throat> the Torah says, Parshas Nishpatim, 22.8, I'll call Devar Pesha in every question of dishonesty. Al Shar, Al Chamar, Al Seh, Al Salma, whether it involves an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or a garment. Al Kol Aveda, or anything that was allegedly lost. Asher Yoimar Ki of which a witness says, this is it. And we learn from here, from the words, the Gemara learns out this idea, this paradigm of a Mixas, one who says, I owe you this, but that's all I owe you, not more. So the Rebbe says, So now we're going to take this Pasuk that we just read and understand it in spiritual service. The claim is being made against any devar pesha, any situation where something wrong happened. When a person sins, and he rebels against the shlichus that his neshama has in this world. Vehein al kol There's two things the puzzle talks about. An actual trespass, an actual sin, and a loss. It's not such a terrible sin. It's only that a little bit has been lost. There's a, there's a deficit, there's a deficiency. This is not a Jew who is being mayel b'shlichosai, he's not rebelling completely against his job in this world, but he's also not investing himself completely. There is a margin of loss. And because he is not doing his avayda completely, he loses aspects of the strengths and the energies that have been given to a spiritual soul, to his nefeshalakis. So we know this, this is scientifically proven, that when you don't use certain aspects or energies or capabilities, you lose it. You lose it. So the same thing is true spiritually. And here the Rebbe references something from a mimer from the Tzemach Tzedek, and it's also found on Kutasichas Aleph, 
that the Nefesh Elokis, based on this Pasuk that we just did very briefly, that the Nefesh HaBahamis can impact the Nefesh Elokis in four different ways. Al-Shor, Al-Chamor, Al-Seh, Al-Salma. These are four different spiritual deficiencies, which if we have time, we can go back to this. It's very interesting. And these are Himdalid Hasugim de Nefesh Bahamis, Hamivim Lidei Kol Devar Pesha. These are four ways in which Nefesh Bahamis can chisel away at us and bring us to sin. Or, if not to sin, to at least not be invested completely so there's some kind of loss. So when the Yetzahara, the Yetzahara is the lowest part of the Nefesh Bahamis, brings us to a Din Taira, I'll call Dvar Pesha, Adam, so the defendant, that's all of us, we answer, Ki We're mighty mamiksas. Shema yesh litvayim imenu. You want, you want to bring me to Basin? But who rocks that mitzvah? us? I don't owe you what you're telling me I owe you. I don't owe you what you're telling the judges I owe you. I owe you a certain amount. I just acknowledge I owe you a certain amount. Dalit. So as we learned earlier, that if a person is schlepped to Basin, and then after he's brought to Basin, he says, you know what? The plaintiff is correct, but he is not completely correct. I don't owe him a hundred rubles. I owe him 50 rubles. Then he has to take a vow. The dafka And it's only after he takes a vow that we believe him for the money he says he doesn't owe. Or maybe it's the money that he says he was never loaned, etc. So now the Rebbe is going to unpack this spiritually speaking. So again, spiritually speaking, this is a situation where a Yid did an Avera. And, and he acknowledges. And now the Yitzhahar takes him to Basin and says, I own you effectively. I own you. I was able to get you to stumble. Now you're mine. And the Yitz says, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. I, I, I acknowledge. I did an Avera. I'm not yours. So now what's with the Shvor? But because the year did in Avera, and at least partially he came into the Rishos, into the um, kind of under the dominion of the Yitzhara. Rab explains, and this is a, a recurring theme, uh, in a lot of places, and Hasidus explains, what's the idea of a shvua? Uh, look at Avram. Avram made Eliezer take a shvua. What? Eliezer was such a devoted uh, servant to Avram. Why did they have to make him swear? He didn't trust him. So Hasidus explains that shvua milashon sveya, that shvua is etymologically rooted in the same cognate as to satiate. That when somebody takes a shvua, 
it satiates them, it fills them with the necessary power and energy to do what they have every intention of doing anyway. That's why the Gemara says that before an neshama comes down to this world, the neshama takes an oath to he tzadik ba'al to he rasha. What, you don't trust an neshama? You don't trust a chilek elokam imal mamash that it's going to do what it has to do? No, the shvua is to invest it with the power it needs. And at least what taking the um, oath will do is break down the resistance of the Jew to acknowledging what he did wrong and therefore leaving the hate and therefore Hashem will take pity. And this is why the Maidib Amiksas takes an oath, Shvua Miloshin Soiva. Like I explained already, that Shvua, an oath, is etymologically rooted in the word Soiva to satiate. To satiate him, to vest him with higher levels of energy, so that the second half that the Yitzhahara hasn't already taken hostage should remain the Kedusha, should remain his. However, it's known, it's very, very well known. How serious it is halachically to take a shvua. If you look at the footnote, you could go to the Gemarsh in Gemarsh Shvua Islamites, where we see how serious it is to take a vow. And vis-a-vis what we're unpacking here about how this is a metaphor for the Yitzhahara taking the Jew to basin. When the Neshama takes this vow that the Meidah B'mixtas has to take, he actually endangers his soul. Why? Because a shvua vests you with additional spiritual energy. But if you don't utilize that, so not only is this going to be a Jew who already sinned, and not only is he not going to be able to tap in to the new kaiches that he got from making the shvua, but he is actually going to be culpable for punishment. That the Abishar, the God, vested him with additional levels of spiritual energy, and he squandered them. They were lost. And that is why Chazal warned us that as much as possible, don't take a vow. Either case, even if you're swearing about something that's true, don't take an oath. An oath is a very serious thing. And an oath has very, very strong properties, and therefore, it's a double-edged sword. And if you don't use the kaiches that come with taking an oath, now you're going to be culpable for squandering them. 
And now going back to the Gemara. So the Gemara mentions a situation in which the defendant can be saved from having to take an oath. And that is the construct. This is the one time where the defendant gets to speak first. And how is that? If before he's taken to Basin, he's Mikzas. Before he's taken to Basin, he acknowledges that he owes. And when the Jew acknowledges before he's taken to a Basin that he owes something, then he is exonerated from having to take an oath. Who and when is it that? He acknowledges, but he didn't pay up. Why was he taken to Basin if he acknowledged? He didn't pay up. That if I pay up now, my assets will lose their value. My assets will plummet. Now, hey, this is a Mechedeke Vort. That the Rebbe presented a few times to us, and it's it's mamish. He'll learn this on Chaf Beishvat because the Rebbetzin was all about giving her entire life, so that the Rebbe could give his entire life to us and to the whole world. Hey, the Yuvan Bahaktim, and we will understand what this means spiritually about the soul that says, I couldn't pay up because my assets are plummeting. We'll only understand this by prefacing Besipur HaGemara, by prefacing with a story in the Gemara that's very hard to understand. It's Aidez Rabbi Yechina ben Zakai. It concerns Rabbi Yechina ben Zakai. He cried right before his passing. And he said, that the reason he is crying is because there is before me two roads. There are two ways. There are two um, paths. One is to Gan Eden and one is to Gehenim. The Malichin I see, and I don't know in which down which path I am going to be taken. and so I shouldn't cry. When his Talmidim asked him, "Why are you crying, Rebbechem ben Zakkai? <laughs> what do you have to cry about? You accomplished so much. You were such a great tzaddik. Why are you crying?" He says, "I shouldn't cry when there are two possible places I can be taken." Now the Yadua Hakushya. And it's well known, the question on this story, how is it possible? He was one of the greatest. And the Chachamim laud and extol the greatness of Yechen ben Zakai in many, many places. We'll move on. So it's understood. There is no suffix, there is no doubt that he was extremely careful and punctilious with making sure 
not to do a loy saseh, and of course, to do every saseh, to do every mitzvah. How is it possible then? Really? He really doubted whether he was going to Gan Eden or Gehenim? I mean, come on. He had to have some level of um, self-awareness. <laughs> you know, and, and here he is, he's about to pass and he doesn't know where he's going. And the Rebbe says, we also have to understand why is he concerned with this? So much concerned that he's crying. Specifically right before he's to pass. It's true. And it's true that the whole idea of Gehenim and Ganeidin, him inyan hakashur lisharva inishalhanishama, they're connected with the reward and punishment that a neshama receives, la'achar pati rasa mina'ilam, when the neshama leaves this world. Abaladayin kashalahavin, but it's still very difficult to understand why. Hare pashut, because it's simple. We're talking about Yachinah ben Zakai. It's pashut, it's simple, it's clear as day. The Rebbe says, please, we're talking about Rabbi Yechen ben Zakai. It's not possible that he's crying because he's nervous about his schar v'oinish. No. Rabbi Yechen ben Zakai, he is concerned with his madrega. Or to say it in different words, he is concerned with his relationship with God. It's not about the starvainish. It's about something much larger. It's not that he's concerned in Nipsa Not that he's concerned with is he deserving of reward or is he, you know, gonna burn. So if you're on that madrega and you're concerned about your relationship with the Ebeshter, now that's something to be concerned about every single day of your life. What's the shaykhus? What is the connection to specifically right before he's going to pass? This is something This is something you have to, every single night, uh, ideally, you know, you make a... Um, you, 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 you take spiritual inventory. So the whole story is not computing. Both that he's really worried that maybe he's going to go to Gehenim. And both that this would be something that he would leave for when he's on his deathbed. Vav. One of the explanations is L'chol echad mebnei Yisrael nitnu shlichus Rabbi says, every single Jew was given a shlichus vitavkid, a mess, uh, a, 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 a mission. that this person has to fulfill during his life in this world. 
And in order to fulfill the shlichus, and in order to effectuate this mission, this person was given the exact number of days necessary and the exact capabilities that this is that that ne- that are necessitated for this shlichus. Hanichutzim that are necessary amenas levatseya es shlichus kediboi in order to enact the shlichus properly. Loy pachais v'loyeser. The person was not given more, less, and the person was not given more. We're each given exactly the amount of days and exactly the capabilities that are necessary. Now. When a Jew does not properly use a particular day or an hour or even a rega, which could mean a minute or a second, when we don't utilize this time, in order to fulfill our shlichus, it's not just a deficit, a loss. The deficit is not only that he didn't alight to the level where he could have. But every moment that he is not involved in the shlichus, that she is not involved in the shlichus, even if you're doing something good, but you're involved in something that's not shayach to your shlichus, then you're missing. It's not just that you didn't come to fruition. You didn't do the best you could have done. It's a shame. You know, you could have done better. You didn't do the best. No. Now it says it's, it's, it's much more profound than that. You chiseled away at your shlichus. And here are very strong words. Harehu mishane. This person is changing. Moyel chas v'shalom, rebelling b'shlichus ha'shemelech malchei hamlochim ha'kadosh baruch hu. In the shlichus of the king of all kings. Now, if these words are beginning to sound familiar to you, it's because these words are in that mimer, the very famous mimer, leisiyah m'shakela. That was the mimer where the Rebbe broke down sobbing. Rabbi Yochan and Ben Zakkai. So now the Rebbe brings it back to the story of Rabbi Yochan and Ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochan and Ben Zakkai, how you bechol rega urega asuk v'shakua ba'avidasoi v'shlichusoi. Rabbi Yochan and Ben Zakkai was at every moment in uh, busy and invested completely in his avoda and in his shlichus, in his limud hatayra. In his kiyum hamitzvus, who hayashakua b'miluish lichusay kideboi, he was properly and completely invested ba'al madain b'saskus zu 
in this world, in this in this in this uh, venture. Ad sheloi hoya loi pnai la atzor ule his bainin ma nase imoi ma matzef ubechla. He was so busy that he didn't have time to contemplate himself, his spiritual situation. Shahare, because how can he stop in middle of his work, in middle of his shlichus, in middle of his mission, and start to think about himself? How can he stop and make an assessment about his spiritual level? When he's supposed to use this time to fulfill his mission, how can he steal from the time during which he's supposed to fill, fulfill his mission to ruminate and postulate and contemplate about his spiritual level? But when he came close to leaving this world, when he realized that he was at the end, the siyum, the finale of his shlichus in this world, then then he stopped to make a cheshban tzedek, to take inventory, because if not now, when? And this is what aroused that level of crying. Zion. Rebbe tells us, this way of fulfilling your shlichos, where the person doesn't think about herself, but just about the shlichos that has to be fulfilled, who inyan ikri this is a main and general, a central aspect of Avedis Hashem. And the Rebbe says, it's not just for the Rebbe Yechonim ben Zakkais. This is something that is demanded of each Jew. And we might even say, And we might even say that this whole avoida is insinuated and is alluded to in the psukim in our parsha. So please take a look. Perek Chav Gimel, that's 23, Chav Hei 25. So 23, 25. These are the psukim on which the famous, the very iconic mimer, Lysia Mishakela, are, are predicated on these psukim. The Rebbe says, look at the trajectory of the psukim. Again, 2325. You must serve Hashem, your God. So look into the sicha. Keep your hand, one hand on the chomish, one hand on the sicha. The Rebbe says on the words, So these words are 
um, relevant to our general avoidance Hashem. Hein ahava. Both the avoida, our service of God that we do through love, and in parentheses, the Rebbe quotes, and many times does, does this, the lace pulchana, there is no service, there is no spiritual service, kepulchana musa, like service that comes from love. In general, I mean, it's not just spiritual service. When you do something with love, it's different than when you do it out of coercion. <laughs> And, and so when it says, when it says in this week's parsha, the pasuk, it's talking about the avoida me'ahava and the avoida mehira, which could be compared to avoida's evid. It's coercion. You have to do it. Your master said you have to do it. Then what does the pasuk say after this? Mam Next pasuk, not 25, 26, Chavvav, when you will serve Hashem in this way, no woman will suffer a miscarriage, or remain childless, in your land, as I will cause the number of your days to be full. Okay, so Again, the, the theme, the, um, I mean, if you, you need to learn the mimer for the full treatment of, of, of these psokim uh, in more elongated fashion. But the Rebbe takes the, the you know, in a mimer, there's a haskala and there's the avayda. There's the intellectual ideas and then there's a practical service. The practical service the Rebbe tells us here as well. So he says like this. Mishakela uh, miscarriage or barrenness. What is this in Avedas Hashem? In Avedas Hashem, Bavoida Ruchanis, in spiritual service, Hainusha Havoida the Avavayira, Hiloi Kium the Loi Toyotais. This is talking about a Jew that does have Ava, does have Yira Hashem, but it has no Kium. It has no staying power. It doesn't last. It does not endure. And there are no toilets. There's no practical outcome. There's no generation. There's no children. Vahasiba. And what's the reason that this Jews, Avas Hashem and Yeras Hashem, don't bear fruit? Why is there no staying power? Why is there a miscarriage of these feelings? Why is there no practical outcome from these feelings? It's because of Be'artsecha. What does Artsecha mean, Beruchnius? Miloshain Ratzain. Artsecha, of course, comes from the Shayrash, comes from the Edaman. Ratzain, will. What does this mean spiritually? When you're talking about a person who has his own agenda, basically, and he also takes a lot of um, pleasure from his service. This shows us that he very much feels his existence. It's basically very self-absorbed. 
who Ayved Hashem. He is serving Hashem. He has love and fear of Hashem. It's about him. This will cause him, after some time, the Jew who is serving Hashem from this vantage is going to fall, God forbid. He's going to fall. This is to say. It starts with the fact that his avoida is measured. There's 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 borders. There's 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 parameters. He will do his avoida to the extent that he gets pleasure out of it. That's the first. That's the first level. Afterwards, so first he starts with he's saying, "I'm going to do as much as resonates with me," quote unquote. I'm going to do as much as I want to do. Then it comes to he says, "Well, this I'll do. This I'm not going to do. This, this, uh, yeah, I'm feeling it, and this I'm not." When it's an avoida that he says, oh yeah, this I'm going to enjoy. He's ready to do it. But I won't do the things I don't enjoy. And from this, and then he keeps falling. So it starts with saying, I'm going to do as much as I feel I want to do. Then he goes to, I'm going to do the kind of things I resonate with or I take pleasure in. And then he falls. So what is the antidote? The antidote is so that there shouldn't be a miscarriage, that there shouldn't be barrenness. What's the last words of the Pasuk? So literally this means Hashem says, I am going to Fill the number, the, the number of your days will be full. What's the antidote to miscarriage and barrenness? When a person contemplates that days have been formed, meaning that every person has been given a set amount. He was assigned a very specific amount of days. And those are the days he got to fulfill his lichas in this world. And every moment that he uses for something other than that shlichus, any moment that's used for something other than that shlichus for God, who is the king of all kings, he will begin to tremble and he will lose that sense of self-concern and self-involvement and, and being consumed with the self. And then he will be able to invest completely in the fulfillment of And what's the ultimate? That you don't even feel, you don't feel 
that you are fulfilling Hashem Shlichus. The only thing he feels is the shlichus. The only thing he's concerned with is that God's will should be fulfilled. Just to stop for a moment and concretize it, um, for those of us who are Hashem, are mothers, and for those who will be mothers very, very shortly, amen. You know, when your child needs something, you don't care who gets it to them. The main thing is they should get it. As a mother, that's all. If you're able to do it, of course you're going to do it. If you can't do it, it's not about you. It's not about you want to be the one who does this. You want your kid to get what they need. So the Rebbe is explaining that when you start to ponder how little time we have in this world, you'll start to tremble with the awesomeness of what yet has to be accomplished. And you'll get off of focusing on yourself. And you'll start to focus on the only thing that needs to be focused on, which is that it should get done. The project has to get done. You're not going to be busy thinking, am I on this madrega? am I on that madrega? And when a person will be able to um, get himself to a place where he is completely given over with his entirety to Hashem and to Hashlichos, he is skying by. Then the Rebbe says, now here's a second way of understanding these words. It will be fulfilled as misbar. Now this is a promise from God that if you do your part and you invest yourself completely because you stop thinking about yourself already and you start thinking about the Ebrister wants and needs from you, then I will make your days full. I will give you Hatzlacha Bizman. I'll give you the possibility to, to have full days. Very important. Rebbe says, so even if there was a time in your life, even if there were days where you didn't fulfill your shlichas, for whatever reason, or even if you did the opposite of what the Abishter wanted, I I will still fill your days. I will make it so that you can fulfill the shlichus of your neshama. And, and, and the Rebbe says, look at this pasuk. It doesn't say who will fulfill this. It doesn't use any of the names of Hashem. Why? Hasidus teaches that when you don't have a particular name of Hashem in the picture, it's because it's atzmusay umehusay. It's because it's the essence of Hashem. It's the mehus yizbarach shelemayla mikol shame. Because this promise to the Jew, who for whatever reason, either didn't know and couldn't start their shlichos, or didn't know better and therefore was doing the opposite of their shlichos, the promise that I will give you full days so you can complete your shlichos, comes from such a high aspect of the Ebishter, it's higher than being encapsulated in any name. It's higher than any place. 
It comes from a place that is higher than where any sin can cause any type of imperfection or flaw. This is Meirdet. Maftiach, the Ebishter promises, Sheyimale v'yashlim es hayamim ha'avudim. Hashem promises that he will complete and he will repay those lost days. And this Jew's days will be filled completely. Now we circle back to the very beginning of the Sikha. The part where I know you were thinking, oh gosh, this does not sound interesting. And I don't know if I want to be online for the Sikha and this Gemara stuff is not talking to me. So the Rebbe says, And this is actually the innermost understanding of the halacha. In the situation, in the scenario, where the defendant claims that the reason he didn't pay what he, he conceded that he owed, why didn't he pay? Because my assets would lose value or were losing value. In that situation, as you remember, the halacha is, he doesn't have to take a vow. So how does this relate to what we just did, Baruch Nies? Because Hashanim Because the necessary capabilities and the necessary years that Hashem gives to a Jew in order to fulfill Shlichus in this world, these are our assets. This is all we got. This, these are our assets. This is our portfolio. And when a person is able to affect that he should have complete self-abnegation to Hashem's desires, where he's able to come to a place where his entire entity is only about being a shliach of the Ebishter. And all of his strengths, all of his capabilities are used for the fulfillment of Hashem Shlichos. To create a dear betachtani v'ashem, memela le'noisel le'pnai lover le'dintayim ayitzahara. This is the nitzvah. This is the defendant that doesn't have to take a vow. Remember, because he said he couldn't pay earlier, his assets were plummeting. The Rebbe says this is the Jew who, when he does come to the to the <coughs> to the dintayim, he speaks first, not the yitzahara. He speaks first. And he explains, he couldn't pay up. He couldn't come earlier. He was busy. He was busy doing what the Abishter wants. 
שרי אם ינצל את הזמן והכריכס כדי לנצח עם היצהרה, because if he would take a break from his mission, and he would take that time to do battle with the יצהרה, יבוי לידי זילי נכסי, then his assets are going to plummet, because the years and the capabilities that the Abishter gave him are for the purpose of fulfilling his mission. If he doesn't utilize it properly, because he's self-absorbed and he's concerned with the Yitzhahara saying he's not enough of a good Jew, so to speak, so he starts to use his time for that, then his portfolio is not going to be worth as much. Hazman v'hakreches shenasnei kadosh baruch hu yuzlu. The days, the years, the time, and the kreches Hashem gave him are going to depreciate. Because he didn't use them for the most precious things, which is to do Torah mitzvahs. And that's why when this nitva, when this defendant comes to the based in, we accept his argument. And he's absolved from taking an oath. Not only are we not concerned that he won't fall in spiritually into the ownership of the Yetzirah, on the contrary, we have the promise from Hashem that his years will be full. They'll be used in the optimal way, the gamma shehir silif and anything that he was missing before, the ismale bishlemus will be fulfilled in completion. There's so many gifts to unpack from this sicha. Um, and, and, and the Rebbe's constant focus, not on patronizing us, and not with the soft bias of lower expectations, but cutting through all the static and taking us to atmos, taking us to the level where there's, there's no sin. And, and, and beckoning to us to attach ourselves to that place where whatever we did before, whatever deficiency there was, on that level, it's not a thing. And to start living with that. And then, then the Chabbat says, es misper yamecha amale. There is no room to be filled with regrets, to look in the rearview mirror, but just to go forward and to know that the Abishter will make you successful. And he'll give you a bracha. And your days will be full. And your days will be long. So the Ebesha should help. The Rebbe said about the day, Chav Beis, Becha Yivarech Yisrael. If you take the letters Chav Beis and you flip them, it's Becha. In this day, through this day, Yivarech Yisrael. All of Yisrael will be blessed. All of us will be blessed. And the biggest blessing is that we should be able to fulfill the Kavana. We should be able to fulfill the Abishra's kavana for creating this world and the Rebbe's kavana for the Dar Hashri 
and specifically for the women of Dor Hashbi. So I wish everybody a very, very wonderful and meaningful Chafbe Shvat and all the brachas that everybody needs should flow. Betayv hanira v'hanigla, shiduchim, children, good health. We're asking again that the Ebesha should give a refua, shlema, kreva, Yosef Yitzchak ben, Simachasya, and all of those who need a refua and any kind of Yeshua. And uh, we should have no Agmas Nefesh. We should just have clear minds. We should be able to just do, do, and do more. Can we do oh, another no screenshot? Um, oh, okay. Goldie Ohana asked for, for her father, Yosef Yitzchak ben Simachasya, just another screenshot. Okay. Okay. So one, two, three. Thank you, Tsipa. And thank you, Tsipa, for always making sure this works. And uh, Tsipa starting a WhatsApp group so we can communicate. It will mostly be concerning the class. But if there's something else that relates to our sisterhood, uh, WhatsApp <laughs> seems to be the um, mode of choice. Uh, so I think that the uh, the link, yeah, to join you, the WhatsApp is in the chat. Thank you very much, Sipa, and call to everybody. Can I ask a question? Thank you. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. This mode of serving the Abishta, <clears throat> when there's no sense of self and it's only the mission, where is there room for something like Ivduet Hashem Simcha in this kind of a mode? So again, if you, let's say you take the, the, um, the mushroom example of a parent uh, that needs something for their child. So where is the simcha going to come from? From the fulfillment of that need. They don't have to be the one that gave that need, that fulfilled that need for their child. They just need to know that their child has what they need and then they're ready for simcha. So in other words, if the Abish is getting what he needs, then we can be besimcha. Exactly. Even, even though there's no sense of we, of I. Exactly. Just That's like a, a parent who loves a child, what do you care? If, if the cat with the purple stripes is the one that brings the Yeshua to your child, good. But not just good. Thank you very much. You're besimcha. Because that's all you ever wanted. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. the whole idea of bittel. That's that 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 relates to another thing that uh, Hasidus teaches. You know, people talk about a marriage. That a marriage, a marriage. In order for marriage to be successful, you have to learn how to. Uh, oh, help me. What's that word? You have to learn how to. Come on, everybody knows this. Yeah. To what's that word? To to be To uh. Surrender. You have to compromise. You have to compromise. But who wants to compromise? That means you get married. You only get 50% of what you ever wanted in life. But Hasidah says, no, it's not about compromise. It's about bittle. The couple has to know what do they want most. And once they know what they want most, doesn't matter if she is the one who has the idea of how to get most or he has the idea of how to get most. They're, all, they're both going to get 100% of what they want most. Once they're able to self-abnegate to what it is they want most. And, and again, it's the same idea with the child who's sick. 
They both want the child to be healthy. So she has one idea of treatment. He has another idea. Plus in Nagea, who cares? The simcha comes from, 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 the, from the fact that the child is well. And the health of the relationship comes from, again, this bittel to something higher than the two of them. And they don't have to spend their life compromising. And how lucky are we? We don't have to compromise at all. The Rebbe gives us the top draw every single week. No compromises. Hold to everybody. Wait, um, I want to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were talking about Rabbi Yochanan, right? He didn't yeah. know what his tichus was. No, other of them. He, he was so busy with the shlichas. He was so suffused and single-minded about his shlichas. He wasn't thinking about his madrega. But, what, but he, knows, he knows the soul. He knows his madrega. He knows that this is something for us to take maybe, but like, it's, not really, it's not really where he was. He knew he was doing the shlichas. He knows, he, knows, he knows what the Rebbe said. He knows this whole thing. I mean, it's good for us to learn it for, our, for us. So we use him as an example. But really, mm -hmm. is that really what he was going through? That's exactly what the Rebbe told us he was going through. So we only have Elon or Ella Divri Ben Amra. Now, another thing, uh, you know, once the Rebbe explains something in a certain way, to us it becomes a Davra Pasha. But, but the Rebbe is telling us after the fact. But for us to um, kind of superimpose, the Rebbe Bezakai had this exact mind trajectory his entire life. Yeah. I don't know that we could do that. You know, it's the thing with us, we're so spoiled because especially our children, our grandchildren, starting to learn sikhas when they're five and six years old. So these deep ideas, we think to ourselves, such a davra hapashut. Have you didn't know this? So I just have a question about when the Rebbe talks about using your specific strengths um, for, you know, and, and like, let's say there's the idea of baltashchus in the world. And similarly, you are not supposed to squander. If you have a specific strength, you need to use right. it. So right. is the idea when it comes to this that there's, you know, you've, your view is on what is your mission and that's why you're using the strengths really. It's not on the personal focus, but rather I have these strengths because this is my mission. 100%, one gazillion percent. And connected to this, Hani, by the way, in a different sikha completely, in different contexts, the Rebbe talks about Avaidazara. Uh, 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 Hasidus explains that Avaidazara could mean, not, not that you're doing something wrong, but it's Zara for you. Because Lagabe, what you did yesterday, today, it's Zara. Because yeah, Ayid has to keep climbing. Thanks. Hani. One of your, I, I, I highly believe that one of your strengths on top of everything else is that delightful accent. <laughs> I'm sure you're able to accomplish things with that accent that can't be accomplished with, with an American accent. Uh, I should hope it's some content behind the accent. <laughs> of course there is. I'm just saying I can't help myself. I just love to listen when you talk. Oh, thank you. Of course, that was not at all what I was insinuating. Okay, cult of my dear friends.